Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Josh Fletcher and John Noonan. So Josh and John have got into the depths of practitioner health, wealth and happiness. And today we brought them onto the podcast in order to share that message and hopefully help you improve your life in those aspects. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Josh and John onto the show. So Josh and John, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you guys here. Hey Matt, thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Good to be on, mate. Good to see you again. Thank you very much and thank you very much for joining us. So um, for those who didn't listen to your guys' earlier podcasts, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? And can we start with uh, John on this one? Super. So currently working as a performance coach uh, across a range of elite athletes, corporate environments, and uh, some online work as well. So I've got my own business in Noonan Performance. And uh, yeah, stepped out of full-time employment in 2018 and now going solo and really enjoying myself. Absolutely. Excellent. And Josh, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, so I'm a performance coach as well, working for Hintzer in motorsport. Had a weird and wacky career path, which I won't go into too much detail, but you can find out a ton of ton about that um, from previous podcasts or on website. Uh, I also have set up a business called Career Blueprint, which is fundamentally based around performance practitioner, sports coach, and fitness professional, uh, fitness professionals' well-being. So, uh, a v- relatively new but incredibly um, important topic area, which isn't really getting enough coverage at the moment. So that's uh, that's what I'm up to. Absolutely brilliant, and we've got you guys together because we want to discuss how coaches and athletes can transition between either different teams, jobs, or potentially even retirement as well. Um, and I know you guys are, are doing some really good work in this area. So when we start to look at the importance of this, what do you think is then the importance behind having to plan your career, whether that's a, a youth athlete who's maybe even uh, as, as early as 16 years old, when they may or may not be able to make the grade, all the way through to potentially a retiring athlete or a, a coach who's looking onto the, the next club? Um, Josh, could you uh, kick us off there? Yeah, sure. So I think probably one of the easiest ways to frame it is to start to try to understand where you are. So if you imagine you're you're lost, uh, the first thing that somebody will do, or you want to get somewhere, the first thing that someone will do is say, where are you? So a large part of what me and John have been doing is helping people to understand and analyze, assess where they are. And we've broken that down into kind of four main areas. So, and I'm talking about where you are in your career. There's also aspects of where you are in your life, but they tend to align with what you want in each area. So the first area would be a, a breaker. So a breaker is someone who's just trying to break in, get their first foot on the ladder, uh, looking for their first opportunity, tend to be quite willing to move around unpaid work, unpaid internships, low pay, and probably the career is their priority, willing to put some social things aside. And that's happening quite regularly. You jump up a level and you're looking at a survivor. So you're inside some sort of role at the moment. You're looking to climb that kind of slippery ladder and you are still probably willing to move around. You're still probably willing to work for relatively low pay uh, and up sticks and move to another place just for a couple extra grand. And you probably are around that maybe 24 to 27 kind of mark. And you jump onto the next level, which is a thriver. These are all banned, by the way. I mean, it's nothing fixed in stone. Uh, a thriver would be somebody who is based on that they're 
looking and understanding there's a little bit more to the industry. They're wanting to try to take some a bit more control of their own personal life. They're starting to maybe get a little bit disillusioned, realizing in their role and, and being managed. They're looking to take more responsibility and, and again, maybe heads of departments type type roles. And then the final section really is what we're kind of framing, uh, terming as redefiners. So they're people who've probably had enough of the industry in some regards. They're realizing that they want a better work-life balance, that they are prioritizing slightly different things in their life and where they are. Uh, their priorities change. They, they, they want to chase a little bit more finance autonomy and, and create a few more decisions for themselves. So that's the four sections that we kind of talk about. Uh, John, do you want to jump in on that one? Anything else to add? No, uh, listen, I think what you've said is is really appropriate. At any point in our kind of career journey or life cycle as a career coach, if you will, you come unstuck, or sorry, you come stuck at, at different stages. And you know, Josh and I have talked plenty even since we, we've, we started to do this bit of work together about what are the, the prominent issues that we are facing as coaches at different stages of our career? I mean, when you're first in, you're thinking about competition for roles. That's a, that's a problem you come up against because of the supply demand. There's an expectation as well to work for free and, and gather experience because you know, people want to see people who are willing to do their due diligence and, and do some graft at the call face. And then there's an ideology that the job comes first, which is a problem because that implies that personal needs and to some extent our personal identity are less important than the role. And so I guess as Josh nicely alludes to, those categories, if you can really understand where you are on your journey and have a bit more self-awareness about what your what your priorities are, what your needs are, then you can probably look at problems through through a lens that says, rather than a problem, it's a challenge, and how do I overcome that challenge with certain solutions? And I'm sure we'll unpack that as we go. But um, I think what Josh and I have become quite passionate about through our own experiences, really, is looking back through issues that we face, which are still latent issues by many, many coaches and practitioners in industry today of perhaps being overworked, underpaid, feeling undervalued, and trying to help people or challenge people to make or think about how they're forming decisions which benefit them in the long term and not just chasing that badge or listening to their ego insecurities. And I know I have. So uh, hopefully we're, we're giving people something else to think about, which is the path less trodden, but it's definitely an essential one if you prioritize health, wealth, relationships, happiness, things like that. I think that's uh, that's very well said, and it's certainly something that uh, resonates with myself and uh, I'm sure a lot of other people within the industry to, to be looking at the, the situation where you're putting the job first and your identity is uh, too mixed up in the, in the role that you have. So when you're, when you're then looking to move through those different stages – what are the important considerations which athletes and coaches need to make before they then change their role? And should we start with uh, John on this one to to change it up a little bit? Go on then, go on then. So I think there's there's three key things predominantly. You, as Josh was referring to, you should understand and have a really good grip on your self-worth and, and your own value. Now, value is quite subjective because it's it's a perception by and large. So what, what, what value we put on a role, such as when I was coming through my career, it was to work at England Rugby. That was a perception of value. I perceived that that was really valuable for me. But in order to do that, you need to understand your own value and, pro, and, and, and respect it as well and not just willingly give your value to everybody or, um, or give up what priorities you have that give you the self-worth because you're chasing a perceived value in a job. Secondly is to 
reframe with values and mindset. And reframing is essentially saying, I have a problem or I am a little bit lost in my career path. Uh, I found myself chasing certain roles or I find myself feeling less satisfied with what I'm doing. Maybe I need to reframe where I'm at and look at the problems through a different lens, which is flipping it and saying, how does this job serve me rather than how do I always serve a job and a career? And then I guess the last piece, which we'll probably get into again, but is the how behind that change. It's, it's, it's sometimes nuanced, but it's the key steps that how you, how you move something from a problem to a, to a solution. I think what we're, what we're basing what our work on is there's so much talk about the problems. There's so much talk about the issues that they create, but there's not enough discussion about what impact that has on your well-being. And what actually impact that has on your behavior. So your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and then your behavior off the back of that. And myself and John have got countless examples of, of our behavior changing based on what's happening in the workplace. And it's not just us, it's across the board. And, you know, we might be talking about irritability. We might be talking about a lack of energy. We might be talking about being consumed by the role and then doubling down when things are getting tough. Those are alterations in the behavior based on problems that we all know exist within our field. So what we have done or what we're trying to do really is shine the spotlight on, do you know what? You can influence those things. You can uh, set yourself up for success and kind of get left of this burnout bang, left of this disillusioned exhaustion and, uh, you know, loss of mojo you can you can get left of it and that's what we're trying to do really and then when we look at the uh, the big picture right so obviously we we are responsible for our own uh health wealth and happiness um but the organizations are going to play a role in that as well so what role do you think the organizations can play in that whole equation um and how can they help their staff members whether it's someone who's just come in or someone who's at an uh, maybe a more advanced stage of their career yeah good uh, I'll, I'll jump on that look i think that um good environments with a happy workforce tend to include people that embody shared values and behaviors you perhaps are in a space where you're given some autonomy for your work um perhaps leaders in that space respect your staff downtime and holiday and they take a genuine interest in your self-care uh, view an individual and all the workforce. If you have a high turnover, however, in contrast, you probably have a people and a system problem that is felt within a culture, an environment that might not necessarily be driven through bad hiring standards or recruiting necessarily bad people, but how the leaders and or the environment look to nurture a workforce to a point where they feel supported and challenged professionally as well as personally. If we're talking about within a domain and leaders, I think one of the easiest things that you can do there is is listen to the people around you and try to understand what are some of the, the, the issues and or problems that people are facing that maybe create high turnovers or change uh, in staffing or force people to say, I'm unhappy, I'm going to leave. I've definitely been in positions before where I wanted to jump ship because I was unhappy looking to fix my problem by thinking that the pastures were greener elsewhere. Or, or, you know, we even see examples where people retrain and want to leave their current role and go into another discipline. So you really need to listen and learn about the environment and what you are looking to nurture, which ultimately should be a happy, healthy workforce, and then lead by example and, and support your staff with you know, certain interventions or processes. Josh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really interesting one. It's this listen and learn. Uh, but we inherently, as practitioners, especially the men amongst us, uh, we're not that forthcoming with, do you know what, my, well, my wellness, my well-being's in the gutter. Uh, and I would be in a prime, prime case for this until recently when I just thought, you know what, let's start opening up and see what happens. And guess what? Everybody opens up around you. But my point is, if you're a leader and if you're a, a manager and employer, the, the things that you can do, wellness is bespoke. So wellness, well-being, it means something to each different person who's listening to this. And if you think about it from the perspective of a breaker, they might be interested in how are you going to help me develop as a practitioner? Because that's their main priority at that particular point. And that might be, okay, well, let's look at your CPD model and let's really dig in and map that out. Let's map out how we can create something for you so you can set you up for success years down the line. For me, back then, that would have been, wow, that's really great. This guy's seriously invested in me. But as someone who's maybe a little bit older now, if I was to work for an organization, I want them to be saying, do you know what? Dash off early today. I'll cover your session. Or I got you back because you got kids and you want to see a recital or something like that. Like your priorities change. But because it's bespoke, the, the most important thing that I actually think one of the most important things that an employer can do is, is what can I do to support you and help you with your well-being? Ask that important question because the answers you'll get back as they, people start to open up will be quite significant. And it might be for John, look, I can't, I don't want, I want to take, I want to drop my kids off at school. And that's really, really important to me. That's really important to me and my family. And I will come into work in a much better place if I'm able to do that. And the boss can turn around and say, well, maybe we can facilitate that for that breaker. It might be, look, I need to, I feel like I need to be challenged outside of this little environment that I'm in. Is there a way that you can facilitate that? Yeah half a day a week, we're going to find a place and a way for you to communicate with a different department or someone else from a different place, a different club. And we're going to build that into your schedule. So th there are things that uh, bosses, managers can do um, in order to manage it, take control of it. Des Ryan's a great example of this. He came out with some brilliant stuff in uh, a 10 minute uh, little digest I did for his Facebook community. And he, he, he nailed out he, he smashed out about 10, 15 things that a boss and a manager can do. So there's there's so many, and it, it's really impactful for employees and staff as well. Yeah, so it's super interesting to hear because uh, for the majority of people listening, I imagine they're, they're on the receiving end of that, right? So they're not the bosses. There's only a certain amount of, of managers. And the people who are in those positions, they might be forced, in actual fact, to ask for these kind of um, wellness help advices however you might want to call it um and that can be a difficult conversation have you guys got any tips as to to how you could initiate that kind of conversation yeah i think you just have to take the plunge and, and be open you have to move a step forward and understand yourself as to, to what's going to happen um from my personal experiences i think i think john will resonate or maybe both of you guys will resonate with this when you actually open up to someone especially as a man it's like a flower the, the, the people will just they'll start blossoming blossoming around you they'll start opening up as well and if you tell if you tell another guy that you you're not all right that you've got a problem in this or this area chances are they'll go Do you know what i feel exactly the same or i felt that or i've had that or i can resonate with that I've never, you know, I have honestly, I can honestly tell you that in the last kind of six months, I've been more open than I have in my entire life. And I've had nothing but like positive and um, supportive response from the people around me. And it's not because I'm cherry picking who I'm talking to. I've been very open to everybody. And that has helped me actually build 
greater rapport with a lot of people. So it's it's kind of just taking that that first step, really. What do you think, John? I'd agree. I think there's an assumption that everything is all right when people are people are quiet and cracking on with a role, right? It's very easy to put your to put your head in the uh, in the sand and just and just plow through and go. Oh, tomorrow's another day. I'll, I'll I'll try and make this a better one tomorrow or write the day off. And um, I'm a really big fan of the idea of high challenge, high support. You know, we we think we're quite quick in environments, whether it be club or organisations, to talk about CPD, staff development. Um, I would like to think within the next two, three years, maybe even longer, that there is there's more of an approach toward personal people development and not just the coach person, not just the professional. And so we're thinking more broadly about the welfare of staff, the care of, of our of our service personnel, and not just um, and not just running models that churn people in and out. As I say, like, it, it's not everybody. It's not all the environments. Some environments do it really well, and some environments don't do it necessarily very well. Um, but we, we do have a bit of a within the industry, we do have a bit of a um, a reputation for for churning people out and burning people out and I think if you are someone that has aged through the process and you're a senior coach now, you, you probably would have done a lot, a lot of things very, very differently. Um, and by the way, Josh and I aren't necessarily saying do what we've done, take the exact path. It, that, that's not it. It's either. I think it's learning from lessons. Uh, and everyone could say hindsight's a wonderful thing, but ignorance is bliss until you start to challenge the decisions that you make and the choices that you made way back when. And it's about becoming a little bit self-aware and being honest with yourself about what do you want? Are you living a life that is congruent with what you want? If you're not, the likelihood is there will be conflict. The way to address that conflict is to be open, honest to yourself and other people around you that matter the most, i.e. your significant other and partner. Countless conversations I've had with my wife who has uh, helped me climb out of a hole with maybe I was in in, in a bad role or having a bad day. uh, and given me strengths where where i had certain weaknesses in other words to be more optimistic when i was thinking a bit more prudently or be more forceful rather than being a bit more skeptical and um, you can only really do that i think if you surround yourself with people that that you you value but trust and the trust is there that you will also listen to what they've got to say even though it's a little bit hard to hear sometimes the word is um Someone told me this recently. I can't remember who it was. Actually, it was a conversation I had with Cody Royal on text message the other day. It's complimentary was the word. And it's complimentary for t- because you want to be challenged, but you also want to be supported. You want to be surrounded by people more intelligent than you or that offer something that you don't have. But that is the word is complimentary. And finding out and sourcing who those people are is huge. And, and that's the role of a mentor, really. That's what a mentor should do for you. Every single person Every single coach needs a mentor. I've got one. John's got one. If you don't have one, you need to get one because these are the types of things that mentors are invaluable for. I mean, that's some some excellent advice. And so, until now, we've kind of outlined the the importance of it and maybe some ways that you can go about initiating different um, transitions. But when we're going to make this really practical, um, can you guys set out how either an athlete or a coach could then plan their transition? Because it, it, it sounds obvious and it sounds easy and it's clearly not because people can't do it. So can you give us some, like a, a case study as to how somebody could go about achieving this? Mm. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, I think I think we're quite versed as coaches or practitioners that look at um, daily daily tasks tasks and, and and designing systems or processes, and we can apply some very similar frameworks. For example, reverse engineer the job from where you are currently to where you want to or look at where you want to be in the future and then reverse engineer that to where you are now, I should say. Now, not everyone knows where they want to be in, in 10 years' time. So therefore, start small. It might just be where do you want to be in the next year. If you want to improve upon your current circumstances, what might that look like? Where might you be? What might you be doing? If, you do, if you're doing the same as what you're doing now, fantastic. But how would you improve upon that? So ask, where are you now? So it's all about becoming a little bit more self-aware. Then ask, what do you want to change? And that might be some hard facts about the job, your experience, your opportunities, the projects that you're involved in, the people that you work with, or the environment that you find yourself supporting and serving. Or it might be yourself. What do you want to change? And then look to, once you've figured out what might be some core personal values and when i say core personal values i don't mean being i want to be authentic i want to be compassionate i want to be kind they're really important values to be and we've all got those things i think that if someone described who we are they would say oh they're a really nice person or they're very kind or they're very considerate whatever it might be i'm talking about what are the key things that if you work on these things on a weekly or a, week or a monthly basis they make you really excited really fulfilled and, and incredibly happy through your work and for me that became family fulfillment and finance and they were three if you will criterias that i formed organically really which was thinking about i've got to solve and how do i solve those problems so i had to define a framework and we can we can maybe talk about the details of that a bit more and, and what those three things mean but identify what what those values are going to be figure out what your vision is going to be consider what you want to change and then think really simply about what are one or two actions that you could make and commit to make that change and make it super super achievable and make sure that you're sharing that with other people around you like josh was saying it could be a mentor it might be a partner it might be a trusted friend because that person will enable you to look at the issues that you have or opportunities that you have in front of you through a different lens give you information that's missing troubleshoot the challenges that you have and also hold you accountable to that change if you need a hand as well and yeah, so just to bolt on to that, there's a couple of things that John spoke about. So for, for initially, it's it's values and vision. Understanding who you are and what's going to make you happy uh, is all about the values. So that's your principles, your guiding principles. And they're like your bumpers at the bowling alley, really. They keep you on the straight and narrow, or at least they should. When you start gutterballing, that's when you need to put those barriers back up and re-engage with them. That's what I've had to do recently myself. And the second thing is a vision. So you don't have to know where you want to be. So John said he wanted to be head SNC coach for England, but that changes as you, as you age, that changes as you grow. It might just be that you have a rough idea. Do you know what? I'd like to manage a team at some point. I'd like to work abroad. I'd like to earn X amount of money. I'd like a life where I can do this and this and this. And that starts to shape you and guide you along the pathway. And the second point is about career periodization. So that's something I'm working on. Uh, a product I'm working on with Dan Howes, which is all about helping practitioners to, it's, that's, that's the how. That's the how of what me and John have been talking about today is how we make those decisions and how you can identify who you are as a person. What I'm taking that step further on to doing is saying, okay, what are the core competencies of the industry? SNC, nutrition, sports science, you name it, we're going to cover all of that. And we're going to say, here is point by point by point how you can map out where you want to be in five, 10 years time. And 
basing, breaking down the core competence of the industry, judging where you are against some sort of common criteria and saying, here is exactly how I'm going to do it. Bang, 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 bang. Then you follow a pathway based on a five-year plan and uh, an annual plan, which is broken down into quarters of um, goals and actions. And this way, you can start to actually, instead of it just being this giant ladder that you can't see the top of, you, you can see the top and you can also see every single step of the way. Uh, it really helps you to engage with and understand where you're trying to get to and exactly what the steps are to achieve that as well. I can personally attest to that working quite nicely because I know we've gone through that process as well. Um, and I certainly enjoyed it. It was certainly something which challenged me because putting your values on paper is, is not an easy thing, right? Like you always put, yeah, I want to be a nice person. And then you realize that that's a pretty crappy answer. And then you've got to really challenge yourself to think, which is a little bit more difficult. Um, so when you've got that 3F model, um, how would you then go about fleshing that out? Can you give us a little bit of a, a practical insight with some examples as to, to how that would look for a, a, maybe just a general practitioner? Sure. So, well, I'll, I'll talk from my own experience, really. So the, re the reason I fell across the family fulfillment and finance and then talking it through with Josh, it seemingly there are a lot of synergies there for many, many, many people. And in my own in my own story, it was really that suddenly things changed. I had a family now, and this was a, I was in a role in 2015, and that role necessarily wasn't well aligned to spending time with the family. And so a goal of mine became, if I want to spend more time with the family, be more present, and be the father figure that I, I want to be, I have to be more available. Therefore, does this role or this opportunity enable me to spend the time with the family that I so desire? And it's a yes or no criteria. If it doesn't, then clearly you have a challenge that you need to overcome if it does fantastic keep going and then you kind of go through this criteria similarly for me it was about fulfillment it was am i working with people projects and and environments that inspire me do they get me excited um, do they challenge me are they highly supportive and can i integrate in a way that allows me to, to add the value that i i know i can bring and then lastly does it pay what i feel i'm worth through finance again if it doesn't then you can start to check and challenge what opportunities are saying yes to and then eventually you hopefully get closer to the set criteria and or sorry the set vision that you've given yourself through the criteria that you know is aligned to achieving that vision if those two things aren't aligned then you're making decisions that i mentioned before aren't necessarily congruent with who you want to become or who you ought to be and you will struggle longer term and i certainly did i made a couple of decisions through a couple of roles that if I was honest, they were job-focused decisions rather than personal value-based decisions. Job-focused decisions in that they were all about the career, the opportunity in the role, um, the challenge that it would give me ego, if I was honest as well. Hmm. Um, and then it, it became apparent you know, a few months into an opportunity or a year in that, okay, we don't necessarily align. There isn't a clear future for me here. This has been okay. I've taken some things from it. And I think every experience you have, every role you have, there's, there's positives to take. But this isn't going to be sustainable for me longer term. So I'm going to look at the next opportunity harder through this lens that I feel is critical to my happiness or whatever you define to be success for you. So that that was how I kind of used to use it and apply it. And I still apply it today. And it's it's always served me well. I think that's some some really excellent advice. And I want to touch very quickly on how uh Josh, you would then use that model to to break things down as well, because you mentioned breaking maybe a five year plan down into 
uh, quarterly chunks eventually. Can you give us some, some examples of how somebody could go about that goal setting process and executing? Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's, um, probably really, really engaging with a vision and that vision will either be a particular role, uh, that you might have in mind, like what's a kind of model role that you, or something you think you might like to do and then understanding again, reverse engineering is a very common and popular phrase, but ultimately it's exactly what we do in sport. We just don't do it for our career. And we we absolutely can. I've done it my entire career. I've decided I wanted to be in a certain type of role, which allowed me freedom, which paid me what I thought I was worth and was just absolutely covered in adventure. Those are some of my fundamental values, adventures, absolutely one of them. So you can create these things for yourself. You just kind of have to need to know what the steps are to do that. And you you, you basically backtrack from what type of role that might look like. So I looked at, I said, right, what are my values? Okay, I want adventure. I want to have, uh, be challenged. I want to live outside my comfort zone. And uh, I, I really want to make an impact and a difference. And uh, there's a couple other things. And I said, well, what sort of job would allow me to do that? So I started looking around and seeing all these different roles. And I'd, the three three companies I ever wanted to work for were EIS, Hinter, and Exos. And I achieved all three of those, but I achieved it because I put myself in situations where it would look good for those guys to see me and what I was doing. And that perpetuated and it flowed on and it flowed on and it flowed on. So I, I guess I'm an example of, I knew that I wanted, I didn't know that when I started my career, I was going to work, work in special, with special forces or with um, a racing driver. I thought I was going to be a rug, uh, SNC coach with rugby. That was all I ever wanted to do. But I managed to kind of take the blinkers off by mapping out step by step based on those overarching principles of who I was. So I tracked back from that and saw all these different roles and all of a sudden, yeah, that resonates. Uh, and, and then I thought, well, what is it I need to do in terms of the core competencies of the industry? And we're talking about networking, we're talking about communication, we're talking about technical technical knowledge, we're talking about um, sports understanding, all these types of things, industry understanding. And I went about creating some sort of plan for myself because I didn't ever have anyone to support me to do that. And I looked at all those different areas and I said, I need to upskill and here, 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 and here. And that's where this career periodization idea or concept comes from. It's very much about what, what can you do and what do you need to do in order to step from a breaker to a survivor, to a thriver, to a redefiner. And, and what does that actually look like for each individual? And, and for me and John, that's all been based around principles and values. That's why this conversation is easy. That's why it's so aligned. Uh, and that's why the creating this content, uh, these, these documents and these um, uh, these products has been so easy for us because it's our journey. We're just literally describing our journey, but also bundling that in a way that provides solutions to some of our industry's biggest problems. And, and two examples of people who have created the pathway that they want that's giving us what we want at this moment in time. So, yeah. I think as an, as an ex- example to those listening that it's, uh, it's possible as well. If you, if you go through the steps and the processes to, uh, to reach the goals that you want to attain. Um, when we, when we flip the cards a little bit and look at athletes specifically, obviously this has been, uh, fairly focused on coaches, but for athletes, how do you think that they could periodize their career and, and plan their moves? How do you think that's, that's different to, um, to potentially a coach? So I'll jump in on this one again. Uh, it's 
it's this it's this term getting left of the bang. So left of bang is basically what happens before an explosion takes place, what happens before a firefight, whatever it might be, and what are the standard operating procedures that you can put in place to prevent that or mitigate that happening in future. So it's taking a look down the line and saying, hang on a minute, I'm not going to be a rugby player forever. What is it I can do right now? How am I going to set myself up for success? And that will be based around educating yourself on finance, educating yourself in a particular field that you're interested in, getting the support that's out there from the governing bodies, which which there probably is. Uh, I know there certainly is in the rugby world in terms of education and, and, and looking at how you can set yourself up for success for life after sport. There are many, many, many things you can do, but there's also many opportunities within the week that you have as an athlete where you can use some of your time more effectively to go and intern, to get on a phone call, to to do a weekly or monthly phone call with somebody in a different organization, one per week until you figure out, you know what, that sounds good. That doesn't sound good. And, and just take control of it for yourself. What do you think, John? Yeah, I'd agree with that, mate. I think that, I'd like to think that certainly the more self-aware or astute athletes of today, given that, you know, Josh and I are talking in the way that we are, and there's clearly an interest moving towards sustainability of careers, helping people continue to do what they love for as long as possible, uh, and and enjoy that maybe as they transition into other opportunities. I'd like to think that coaches who are part of performance, sorry, athletes rather than players that are part of performance programs today are a little bit more comfortable and versed in the idea of what holistic well-being looks like and not just getting strong as possible underneath the bar. I think that the conversations move forwards from just get strong, fit, look sexy, and how do you how do you not only perform well on the field, but how do you perform well at home? How how do you build a lifestyle, as Josh, Josh is alluding to, through gathering skills, education, competencies that are beyond your your current skill set. Uh, and if you look at those who inevitably, inevitably become good coaches, like really good leaders, they're the ones that definitely have a handle or did have before they were told to stop their career. As they begin to phase into the latter stages of their career, they are thinking ahead. They are thinking proactively and they are looking at, I don't have a lot of the things that are going to help me be real, real world ready, if you like, in the next decade or five years when I may have to look at leaving this contract because i'm going to be out of favor um and i think in addition to that i've got a friend and colleague in chris chris mccready and he is doing some excellent work at man united and one of the i think common but developing themes now within certainly within football uh, i'm not sure from my experience i could say the same in, in rugby right now maybe it is actually i know i know it is um that we have individuals who are going into that space and they're talking to these guys about career sustainability they're talking to these guys about personal well-being and they are making sure that an individual's identity isn't just anchored to if you get selected or not on a saturday or a sunday because we all know examples of when players get dropped or when they're suddenly out of favor and uh, and they're a different person because their entire identity their ethos and their well-being by a large by a large stretch is dependent upon if i'm in favor or not or if i'm you know uh on the podium this week or not it, it isn't always that that isn't sustainable that certainly isn't sustainable from a personality point of view and a lot of the work that we do right josh and i do right now within the motor racing space is to is to look deeper under the hood under the bonnet forgive the pun and 
look at these individuals and not only make sure that they've got good body compositions or they're fit enough or they're strong enough or they've got good skills, but to say, emotionally, are you in control? And who are you as a person? Do you know who you are as a person? And have you thought about, or have you reflected upon why you behave in the way that you do when you're under pressure or you face adversity? That comes back to mindset and behaviors. They're, they're just common preferences that you, I, Josh, anyone can, can work on and reflect on. But it's rarely discussed, certainly in, in team, you know, male settings like Josh was talking about earlier. But I think that hopefully the industry is moving in a direction through the people that I've mentioned already that are starting to have these conversations, albeit one on one in a, in a private setting. But I think definitely people are starting to, to ask for more support than just make me a great, a great athlete or a professional. I think that's uh, an absolute excellent piece of advice and a fantastic way to end the podcast as well. So guys, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking again very soon. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Bye. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Josh and John for all of their hard work. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy, where Coach Academy has a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to take your performance up a level, get yourself into the Coach Academy, where you can do that completely for free using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds' time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be brilliant if you could recommend it to a friend, an athlete, a coach, or a colleague. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.